Today is Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Tensions are rising in Israel after the latest terrorist attack. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. You know the drill. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. If you haven't done it yet, what are you waiting for? Come on, get on there. We'll wait. Okay, we're not going to wait that long, but you can email us as well. Quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We'd love to hear from you. We're getting through the news of the cray here each and every weekday, 7 a.m. Joining me now, Billy Hallowell, as Trey Gons Phillips is gallivanting around on vacation, enjoying his How time. Dare he? I know, not having to look at the news of the cray while you and I just uh, intake extra caffeine to get ourselves hyped to get through it because uh, I always think, Billy, that there's, okay, this is it. This is the low. <laughs> and it manages the game. I always see something and I'm just like, what? Um, and yeah. there's more of that out there. But uh, nevertheless, I know we've got a lot of ground to cover. So uh, what are we What are we checking out on the focus today? Yeah, this is a pretty incredible story. A pastor out in North Carolina who biked across the entire country uh, to defend the unborn. So we'll get into why he's doing it and what that looked like for him. Well, that's great. I mean, I stand corrected. That's a positive We've got a good positive yeah, one on this on the on do. the podcast today. You're going to feel uplifted. We're not going to drag you down. Um, okay, maybe That's a little, right. but <laughs> <laughs> you, you know you can't help it when it's the news of the day. But all right, on the main thing, there was a high-profile series of meetings uh, between Anthony Blinken in China with all their officials there and President Xi. And who actually got the upper hand in those meetings? We'll have a look at that on the main thing today. But first, we're going to get through the news here in. 90 seconds. Deadly terror attack in a restaurant and gas station in the West Bank, north of Jerusalem, brought Israel closer to a full-scale military operation in the biblical Judea and Samaria area to rout out the growing entrenchment of Iranian-backed terrorist groups there. Benjamin Netanyahu responded, saying, uh, all options are open. We will continue to fight terror with all the might, and we will win it. The top House Republicans urging her colleagues in Congress to support a bill banning abortions after 15 weeks and separate legislation to support families raising children. As the pro-life movement, they're looking to change the narrative and go um, from pro-life, uh, from just being pro-birth, that is, to being pro-life. They're seeing that as sort of the next frontier in the pro-life battle as we're sitting here just about a year removed coming up on the 24th uh, from the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And an eternal wall of answered prayer. There's a new global monument that tells of the testimonies of divine intervention you can read about that over at cbnnews.com and billy the pro-life movement we talked about this a lot on this podcast and that is sort of the next frontier here on this battle is okay you've you the court has said there is not a right to an abortion in the u.s constitution so okay but we we know that a lot of the country still clings to this uh, the idea of abortion and celebrating abortion. So where does the fight go from here? And we're starting to see the early indications of where that's headed. 
Yeah, well, and we're also seeing polling data that is wildly different, right? And like one one side will say the polls show people want restrictions on abortion, and the other side will say the polls show people yeah. want abortion more than ever. And the reality is both sides are right, depending on what polls you're looking at and how you look at it and when you place restrictions on abortion. First trimester abortion support is the highest I think it's been ever. Um, but yet at the same time, people, majorities want restrictions on abortion. Nobody is saying they want abortion. The vast majority don't want it past a certain point. And so I think that battle is going to continue, but the bigger battle is going to be the state battle. And keep in mind, the federal battle still stands. If Congress comes in and says, we want to codify abortion illegally in some other way, and the president signs it, that could possibly happen. You could end up with nationalized abortion again. Yeah, and then the idea here of the narrative being, well, these pro-lifers, all they care about is pro-birth. They're pro-force birth, and then that's it. They don't care about the baby. Now, I always think that's a terrible argument in the first place because if you believe, as pro-lifers do, that that's a life, it, it honestly, it, it you want that baby to be born. There's no justification for killing it, right? Like that's, regardless of the difficulties that they may face in their life, um, after birth, it's not a justification to say, well, it's the more compassionate thing to kill them. So I've, I've never been particularly moved by that argument. I, I don't find it very strong. Mm. But on the other yeah. hand, I think it's time that we fight this lie that pro-life Christians are not doing things to help mothers and foster parents and or being foster parents. I mean, we see Christians active in those areas all across the board and they try to use it as like a mic drop slam dunk like oh yeah well what do you do yeah, when the well, baby's born and it's like well yeah yeah actually glad you brought yeah, it up yeah, <laughs> let, let me let me rip the band-aid off on this because and and i'd love for more research to be done but the research we do have does indicate that people who tend to fall more on the right of center and christian side of things are doing more hands-on to address these issues. We've seen that in studies. You know, one side tends to believe the government is doing the goodwill. The other side tends to believe individuals should do it. Um, At the end of the day, that's a complicated conversation. But if we're talking about who is adopting more and doing more, it's the pro-life people who are, are doing those things more. And again, lots more to be done. I'm not saying that everybody's doing a perfect job on it, but you know, you can't sit there and say you're not doing anything when those are the people out there filling online registries, helping these women, um, you know, who do choose to keep their children. So, yeah. 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 So, well, it'll be interesting. And we'll, of course, continue to cover that. And and I, and I definitely think at CBN and Faithwire, we are going to shine the light on those areas. And we have and we will continue to do so where Christians are stepping into the gap and filling that need. Because uh, we've seen it time and time again, of course, the mainstream media is not going to ever really focus on that or give you a glowing review at any time or pat you on the back for that. So we will do that. And that's just one of the reasons why you should be tuning into CBN every day. But uh, as this fight continues to unfold, we will certainly uh, highlight those stories and more. So we're going to move over to the focus story now. And a this is a positive. As I mentioned, it's not all... Uh, doom and gloom here on the Quick Start Podcast. But a North Carolina pastor on a mission to defend the unborn is wrapping up an incredible bike ride literally across America. What's the story here, Billy? 
Yeah, this is Pastor Jay Stewart. He is 60 years old, which I think is worth mentioning here because I don't want to ride my bike five miles down no. the road, let alone 3,300 miles, whatever it is. He's well over 3,000 miles, and he's actually wrapping up, um, as we speak, wrapping up this ride. Um, this is a cross-country ride that started in California and concluded on the East Coast this week. And it's really a mission he set out about 40 years ago um, wanting to do before he was a pastor when he was in his 20s, he had this idea that he thought it would be fun, you know, to just kind of like make his way on a bike across the country. And that idea ended up taking on what he called a kingdom purpose over time um, as he grew in his faith and became a pastor. And it was recognized last year on May 17th. He said he came up with this idea of, you know what, I'm 60 years old now. It's been 40 years since I had this idea. I've never done it. I am going to set out. I am going to ride my bike across America. And, and at 60 years old, he's done it. That is That is incredible. And like you said, I'm in the same boat as you, Billy, I think. I ride my bike around the block and I'm like, whoo, that's, that was a, that was a good effort there. I'm ready to sit down for another couple of hours. Uh, but what's he, uh, what's he hoping to accomplish other than just check an item off his bucket list? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why he said this is taken on a kingdom purpose. He wanted to start on the National Day of Prayer intentionally on May 4th. And so he's been doing this for almost two months. This started May 4th, this bike ride. And the goal has been to raise a million dollars to help mothers who choose to keep their babies. So this is very much tailored to helping women in need, women who choose not to have an abortion, who choose to have their their babies. He has been joined by people all over the country who have joined in on virtual teams. They're riding their bikes all across America, helping log miles to raise support towards this million dollars. And the goal is to give that money over to a nonprofit, an organization called Love Life Ministries. And this is a group that engages with churches across America of all denominations to, quote, build a culture of love and life and to see an end to an abortion, but not just abortion, but the orphan crisis. This goes back to what we were talking about before, being not just pro-birth, but really pro-life in every way. And so um, these, you know, Love Life actually works with these churches to establish um, these house of refuge churches. And again, these are houses of worship that rise up to help these women who face unplanned pregnancies. Mm. This ties right into what we were just talking about there uh, a moment ago. Here's an example of somebody doing just that, uh, raising money for an organization that's already doing exactly what we were talking about, helping um, people after these children are saved. Uh, from the abortion mills. So why does uh, the pastor here, why does he believe that this mission is essential? Yeah, you know, he talked about the fact that despite Roe v. Wade being overturned, there's a lot of work to be done. The battles have shifted to the states, as we've talked about a lot on the show here. And he talked about how historic it was that Roe v. Wade was overturned. It was humongous, he said, but the battle has ramped up and gone to another level. He wants to empower the church to be the voice for the voiceless. And instead of remaining silent, he wants to be out there. He had one quote while I was talking with him, and we've got the video. People can watch it over on our YouTube channel. We've also got a write-up over on CBN and Faithwire. Uh, but he said, quote, I believe that this is not a political issue. This is a moral and spiritual issue, and I think it's the greatest moral dilemma of our day. And I think he's right. I mean, this is what we are watching, and we're watching the nation really ramp up that fight. And so he's just overjoyed to be a part of trying to raise that money and, and be a big piece of trying to help. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, I think he's not wrong talking about it being – one of, if not the 
biggest moral uh, issues of the day. I mean, you look at what is at stake here. And I think I think that's why you're seeing some of this rift too, Billy, where you have some on the extreme pro-abortion side who are trying to normalize abortion and like make people even celebrate it. It used to be safe, legal, and rare. That's since gone out the window now. And I think you're starting to see the logical end games playing out. People are realizing, well, it is what it is, but we either have to go all in on this thing and say we love it, or else we're going to have to end up saying we're trying to reduce it. And so that fight's taking place as well. And it's, you know, it's great to see people like this pastor taking a stand and helping rally others who believe the same. And you're, and you're seeing them do that. And um, because you're not going to win just by, you're not going to win these cult, this argument in the culture just by yelling at people you disagree with. You got to have a positive vision. And we've talked about this on other issues. You got to have a positive vision to be aiming for and being an overwhelming force of good to help people in these situations and love them and care for them and provide for them to make things easier is absolutely a great way to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and I would add, you know, just before we go here that on this story that he, he talked about getting supernatural strength to do this. He's 60 years old, right? He's yeah. pedaling across the country. Yeah. It's, it's thousands of miles and he called it an epic journey and he said it's been the hardest thing physically and mentally he's ever done, but the most fulfilling thing that he'll ever do. Wow. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, the bike ride, it probably starts feeling pretty slow moving on the bike when you're thinking, okay, you're not just doing like a 10 mile ride around your neighborhood. You're, I've got to get across a state. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's uh, mentally that has to be incredibly taxing. So um, yeah, great stuff there. If you want to check out the full story, head over to faithwire.com, cbn.com as well. So appreciate you bringing that one, Billy. We're going to move over to the main thing now. As I mentioned at the top, that high profile series of meetings uh, between United States Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and China. But who actually got the upper hand? Well, CBN's Gary Lane takes a closer look at that on today's main thing. Our next guest believes relations with China must focus on the CCP's behavior, primarily in the area of human rights and genocide against ethnic Uyghurs. Salih Hudayar is prime minister of the East Turkestan government in exile. Salih, it's, it's good to talk with you again. So I'm assuming you feel Secretary of State Blinken missed an opportunity here to raise concerns about the Uyghurs and the issue of human rights. So should he have avoided making the trip to Beijing as tensions between the two countries simmer? Your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think he should have avoided uh, going to Beijing. Uh, first, you know, the first priority should have been demanding that Beijing apologize for violating uh, American uh, airspace and American sovereignty uh, with its spy balloons and other, uh, you know, uh, malign activities and espionage activities that's been carried out, carrying out. Um, however, instead of doing that, uh, I think the Biden administration has been pursuing a policy of appeasement for whatever reasons, um, and they are failing to, you know, uphold their commitments to human rights, their commitments to American sovereignty and freedom, um, and their commitments to, you know, uh, upholding American values. And the Chinese government says the Uyghurs are Islamic terrorists, and the way China manages them is an internal matter. Now, the United States and other nations have labeled China's treatment of the Uyghurs as genocide. doesn't seem uh, that that has swayed China to change its behavior. Why not? 
Well, because there's no, uh, you know, uh, effective international pressure. Um, the issue of East Turkestan and China, it's not a so-called internal affairs matter as China cl uh, claims to, uh, for it to be. Uh, on the contrary, it's a, you know, international conflict between an occupied nation versus an occupying or invading nation. Um, it's very much like, uh, you know, the relationship between Russia and Ukraine. Whereas with Ru uh, Russia and Ukraine, you have the international community uh, supporting Ukraine and taking uh, strong actions and measures against Russia. Whereas with our situation, other than give giving you know lip service, the international community has failed to do uh, anything meaningful to hold China accountable for its ongoing genocide and other atrocities that it's committing against uh, the people of East Turkestan. And we've detailed a lot of those over the years, uh, the atrocities being committed against the Uyghur people, not just the imprisonment and the forced labor, but also forced abortions, uh, all kinds of things, taking their organs. Uh, uh, so beyond the Uyghur issue, though, Christians are also suffering in China. This spring, members of an entire congregation, the Mayflower Church, received asylum here in the United States after they fled persecution in China. So. How concerned are you about the treatment of people of other faiths? Well, it's very concerning because the Chinese Communist Party, uh, you know, it's a atheist party. Uh, it views all religions, whether it's Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, or any religions, as a threat to its power. So it's been, you know, engaging in efforts to stamp out religion at all levels. Uh, officially, it claims that it supports religion, but it's trying to, uh, you know, synthesize it to where it's essentially whatever, you know, way that the Chinese Communist Party wants. So there's no, you know, ability for Christians to truly practice Christianity. There's no ability for uh, Muslims to practice Islam or Buddhists to practice Buddhism uh, without the Chinese Communist Party interfering and controlling uh, everything that goes on. What other concerns, Saleh, do you have about the CCP's conduct? Well, the, the longer that we fail to hold uh, the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese government accountable, the more aggressive that they're going to get. Um, as we already saw, even be before this meeting, this last week, you know, they were coming close to ramming a, a U.S. Uh, naval ship. I mean, these are, you know, blatant, uh, you know, acts of aggression by the Chinese government, even before the previous, you know, scheduled meeting that uh, Secretary Blinken was supposed to have with uh, China. You know, they floated their spy balloon across the United States uh, and essentially, you know, slapping them in the face um, in a diplomatic way. Um, even the way that they greeted Secretary Blinken, you know, for other small nations, uh, foreign ministers and government officials, they hold massive, lavish, you know, um, greeting ceremonies. But for Secretary Blinken, there was not even a red carpet. There was very few officials greeting them. So that in itself... Uh, you know, it was a big slap in the, in the face to the United States. And it's, you know, it's shameful that uh, the Biden administration has decided to proceed with that. If it had been any other country or any other administration, they would have just hopped back onto the plane and be like, no, thank you. You're going to disrespect me. Why should I even continue, you know, uh, engaging with you? Yeah, I think they showed more respect to uh, Bill Gates when he visited Xi Jinping. Uh, so what would you like to see happen at this point? What does the Biden administration need to do? Well, the Biden administration first, you know, needs to 
uh, unequivocally condemn China's ongoing genocide in East Turkestan. They need to make it clear that there can be no negotiations, no trade whatsoever with China until it's in, it ends its ongoing genocide in East Turkestan. It needs to make it clear to Beijing that it won't tolerate Beijing's acts of aggression or violations of American sovereignty or aerospace or, you know, its espionage activities inside the United States. The U.S. government knows everything that China is doing. It knows a lot about, you know, all the Chinese operatives here in the United States. It needs to act to, you know, uh, prosecute them and to expel, you know, those diplomats that are Chinese diplomats that are supporting these uh, uh, Chinese operatives. And now spies, a spy center 90 miles from the U.S. coast in Cuba. Okay, Salih Hudayar, Prime Minister of the East Turkestan government in exile. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, Gary, thanks for that interview there. Really appreciate it. And Billy, China is just, it's, they're clearly one of the top, if not the top geopolitical foe we have right here in America. So it's, we really have to watch everything they're doing incredibly closely. Yeah, I think China and Russia are really major, major issues for not just America, but for the world. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to have time here on the pod today for one last thing. You know, we reference Ephesians 6 a lot on the show when we talk about the armor of God and spiritual warfare, but but Ephesians 6.10, it's actually a pretty incredible, simple verse. It reads, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And I think about needing to bike or wanting to bike across the country. You <laughs> yeah. need some strength for that, right? And just in life in general, being able to turn to the Lord and, and drawing from his power to find our strength. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we see that in the Bible so many times. Um, people, the Israelites in particular, having to rely directly on God. And that is and that is when things go well for them. And so we should do the same here. Just be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Great, great spot to leave it here on the podcast today. And as always, get yourself on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.